Welcome to episode six of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And this week we're talking two episodes. It's never too late. And I've got a Batman in my basement. I've got Batman in my basement. Also known as Batman meets Scooby-Doo or Archie. It was great, guys. I, I was doing I was doing some research as always. And so I actually quick tangent. I was actually very excited about this episode because I don't have strong memories of the episode, but when I was a kid, I had a picture book. I don't know if you remember these, but they were picture books, and on the side of the book was like a little plastic keyboard, and you pushed the buttons, and they made sounds. Yeah. And it was for this episode. Oh, wow. So I had... A, for Batman in the Basement? Yeah, for I've Got okay. Batman in My Basement. It was specifically this episode, because I remember that, like, I remember Sherman, I remember Roberta, you could, like, push the button for the the vulture, and it would squeal. Like, you could push it for the Faberge egg, and it would, like, give off a little, like... Sort of thing, mm. but I don't. I didn't remember the episode at all. But I remember that there's book. There's a reason. There's a reason. But I remembered that book. I may have actually never even seen the episode as a kid. But I remember the book, and I was trying to see if I could find an example of it to show you on the internet. And when I was looking <laughs> up this episode, all I got was people going, "Holy shit! This is one of the worst Batman episodes in the whole series." I wouldn't say it's the worst. I would say it's the campiest. It's super campy. I mean, it, it once again proves what you've been talking about, how... This is still a kid's show. It is still a kid's show. It's very much a... This is still on at nine in the morning on a Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of a, a one for them, one for them sort of thing, where it's like mm-hmm. one for the adults, one for the kids. And we're going to see that in these two episodes, because I think the first one, it's never too late. A very adult episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, it, it piggybacks very well off of what we talked about last week. With it kind does. of the changing nature of not only Gotham, but the show in general with Harvey becoming Two-Face. Yeah, like it's it's dark, it's cinematic. It, I have some notes here from actually very specific cinema polls that it's it's taking inspiration from. Very strongly different. But so diving right in, Cameron, how does It's Never Too Late start up? Um, it's Never Too Late. What do we start off with? We start off in the home of... Damn it, I should have I looked Storm at my notes for asking well. you that. Because I assume well. you knew. Yes. You know, I, I got it. It's I, fine. I, I think it's Stromwell. I wrote Stormwell. It might well, be Stormwell. I'll, I'll go I'm gonna Stormwell. Let you do, I'm going to let you do a recap while I look this up real fast. Perfect. I didn't actually write out his name. I have abbreviations S all the way through to get shorthand notes. So, okay. Uh, uh, take us away. Um, <laughs> so we start off in the home of Storm Stormwell. What's his right? first? I don't remember. Uh, I didn't write his Arnold, first name. Arnold. Arnold. Stro- no, Stromberg is a Batman villain. No, uh, James Bond villain. This is Batman. This is Batman. This, this, is, Bat- this is Tim Talk. This is Batman? Welcome, guys. This is Tim Talk. Oh, I thought this was Fleming. I'm Cameron Dexter. I'm totally mistaken. Okay. And I'm with my partner, Chris Lord. I don't know who I am. So we start off Stromwell. He's the pinnacle mob boss of Gotham right now. And on he's watching the the news. The established crime boss. Like, he, yeah. So he's watching the news, and there's a report going on talking about how Rupert Thorne, we talked a lot about last week, is kind of encroaching on... It is Stromwell. Damn it. Wait, is that, is that what you were saying? You were saying Stromwell. I was saying Stormwell. Oh, okay. Fuck it, whatever. Stromwell. Stromwell. Uh, he's the kingpin. There's an, uh, a news report going on about how Thorne is kind of encroaching on his territory. And then they briefly mention uh, right at the end that Stromwell's son is also missing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then Stromwell assumes Thorne's responsible. Right. Fair assumption. So he's, you know, ready to get his vengeance. He's not ready to give up the kingpin position at the moment he's yeah. you know he's top dog in gotham mm-hmm. so uh, then uh oh also a quick second they they refer to thorn as the young up-and-coming he's like 40 right yeah he, i mean he certainly looks old he's got he's got you know the white hair going on i get a little confused by that moment too i'm like wait who's the up-and-comer who's, who's the young the young kid stepping in here apparently it's thorn is it the the 12 year old joker from gotham oh god the show that I refuse to watch. Oh, I did. I did get really excited though because I I recognized the voice of Thorn, and it took me a moment to to realize. Do you know who that is? Do you? I I didn't write it down. Now he's the voice of Dean Vernon Wormer from Animal House. Oh wow, he is. Yeah, which is funny because I probably saw Animal House before I ever saw Batman. Thank you, Dad, uh, <laughs> for having that be part of my education as a kid. But I was really it's very so- important for for young men to to watch Animal House. It is. It absolutely was. But uh, it set horrible expectations for college, though. But um, I got really excited when I realized that because I love I love that movie. That's my first tangent of the day. Um, it's not even my first, is it? Yeah, no, I think we're I think we're on base for most of this. I don't know. So Stromwell is trying to. 
he has a meeting set up Wait, is with it Stromwell or Stormwell? Stromwell. Stromwell. Carm- <laughs> what did I say before? <laughs> Uh, Cromwell, the the Halloween. I'm gonna call him Cromwell. Cromwell. All right, Cromwell. Because I just watched Halloween Town, and that's all I'm gonna talk about now. Yeah. So Arnie Cromwell. Arnie Cromwell, which uh, warlock of Halloween Town. <laughs> um, well, b- before he's heading over, we jump cut to Thorn sitting in his like restaurant, I guess. Oh, um, I think it's Pete's Pete's restaurant. But I mean, yeah, yeah it's it's one of his. It's his. It's one of his kind of hangout hideout. Yeah. Things. Bullet goes there a lot. Apparently, they have great cannolis. I'm assuming that's a Godfather reference. Right? I think so. It has to be. It, ha- it has to be. And they're talking about how they're going to take out Cromwell. I told you, I'm going to do it. No, I like it. We're going to go. Um, I was going to take out Cromwell, and basically, they don't want to just like shoot him because that's unethical. I don't know why. So they're just going to blow up the entire restaurant with him inside. Yeah, yeah. Because they they basically like, oh, we're going to set a trap for him, uh, and then we get a, a flashback to a train yard yeah we see two we, little kids we see cromwell driving to the meetup oh that's right and as he stops at the train tracks oh, he has yeah. an anxiety attack and we get the flashback of yeah him another kid at the train yard mm-hmm. this episode should have definitely been before the Sewer underdwellers King. yeah the underdwellers yeah, i think it's the same train yard i'm sure it is I, it must be yeah there's a lot of kids they need those psas it's very important for those psas don't yeah. play on train Th- this is like a much stronger psa too because in the underdwellers the kids just got his like foot tingled up on the top of the train this kid's got his foot stuck in the tracks and that which they don't show for a little bit because you just see him standing there oh that's true for yeah. a good like 10 seconds well, like the camera doesn't cut you know he's a punk you know he steals candy he doesn't give a fuck about trains man. right he's gonna rule this city someday he is he does congratulations he followed through with this dreams we have this flashback moment where yeah uh they're walking down the train tracks a train is coming it's uh cromwell gets his foot stuck the kid next to him is freaking out and at the last second he gets his foot out and then he turns and what do you see another, another train. train another train and then we we come out of that we don't know what happens at that point we just right. have a train setting towards him mm-hmm. yeah so then we go from there and they're they're in the cafe right for the meeting yeah all the goons step outside it's just cromwell and thorn and the second the door closes cromwell has his big bad harv moment oh wait i did i did have one note so when they're getting ready for the meetup in the restaurant uh there's like a passed out Drunk. oh right we yes. completely forgot about I know, I was gonna pass um, out drunk sitting at the the table yeah. what's his face is that our first appearance of um matches, matches malone? malone they don't actually get say by name so maybe it's matches i'm not mm-hmm. sure but i mean it's clearly bruce and you know yeah. you can hear conroy's voice and you can hear him like clink something under the uh the table but it made me made me think about it in this they do a great job of having bruce go in disguise sometimes because mm-hmm. you can be inconspicuous by blending in rather than dressing like a bat We've never seen that in a lot of the other media. Right. You know, and at no point that I can think of in any of the movies, he ever go in disguise. I mean, in the dark night, during the daylight, he goes out in like, you know, a motorcycle helmet and stuff, but he's still just walking around as Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the movies have avoided that because it would look ridiculous? I think it's more of this show. We mentioned it in a couple other podcasts. This show focuses so much on Bruce outside of the cowl. That's true. uh, Whereas every other movie, it's Bruce is the secondary character yeah whereas in this it's either 50 50 or as we've seen bruce has a more important role where batman kind of isn't exactly the last resort but he does everything he can to prepare beforehand and he he has all these other personalities like we like we said uh with the forgotten episode mm-hmm. that he has an entire closet yeah full of, a, full of costumes it's a fabulous closet i would love to see in one of the movies him put on like a civilian disguise and go incognito um and then pull off the mask and it's tom cruise and then it's just the trailer for mission, mission impossible, impossible six, six. Yeah. yeah or jack reacher three. Ooh, i'm excited for jack reacher yeah um but yeah i had to just want to talk about it real quick because i thought that was yeah i, li- I like it's, it's a get, very important moment yeah yeah and it, it shows that he's clever he you know he can do more than just skulk about so well i guess actually now that i think about it in the movies, they focus more on the gadgets, whereas this it's is true. not. So when he's listening in, he's not ever in disguise. He's just kind of in the building over, like, doing surveillance. You know what? I will I will give credit. I forgot. In Batman Begins, when he's surveilling Rachel, before he's actually built the bat suit, he did put on a whole bunch of stuff to make him look like a, a homeless guy with a hood, and he's got the microphone mm-hmm. under the hood. So you know what? Okay. They did it. They've tried. They did it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well done, Nolan. 
We're back at Pete's. Cromwell mm-hmm. has entered. Goons go out. Cromwell freaks out because he believes that Thorne has his son. And Thorne is a pretty heavy-looking guy. He must not be that heavy, because in the past two episodes, we've seen him get thrown around. Yeah, he does get thrown around a lot. Yeah. I think he'd just be opposed to that, too. Right. It's beyond physically challenging. You'd think he'd fight back a little bit. Well, I think in that point, he was trying to be, like, because he said he wanted this to be a... Oh, like a peaceful meeting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not white flag, but yeah, a peaceful meeting. And he has his line of, I don't hurt family. Like, you know, that's against my code. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, like, I didn't do anything with your son. It's not me. It's hard to read him. Cause yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, to be fair, in the last episode of Two-Face, he did hold Grace up at gunpoint. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. But they weren't engaged yet, so they weren't technically family. I'll give him that. He never got through the engagement. Yeah. yeah. He um, never does. Never does. So Cromwell kind of calms himself a little bit, and he's kind of thinking about like where his son could be. And while that's happening, Thorne leaves to the back room. Cromwell's like, "Oh, oh what's shit. going on? This yeah. is a, this is a this is a setup." Uh, we see Batman like briefly kind of pop up behind Cromwell because he's been there the whole time. He has under the table, probably uh, just in some shadowy corner, zamboning like old Pino off the floor. So right as the building explodes, you see Batman grab Cromwell, jump out. Just in the nick of time. Yeah. The goons are freaking out because they think their boss has just died. They scurry off. My, my thought on this was, poor Pete. Yeah. You know? That's what I, that's what I meant earlier. Why yeah. couldn't they just shoot him? Why, yeah, it's like, why? Shooting someone is so simple or, or poison him or something. But like, yeah. why? I mean, at most, you would just clean the yeah. floor. What What about an exploding restaurant? Is subtle. Is, yeah, it's subtle. It's less likely to implicate a murder than shooting someone. I guess... You could blame it on, like, a gas fire. Less evidence for me? I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, shoddy codes. I I I would probably assume less evidence, because then they said there was, because the police were like, there was a body in there. Did they mention that there was a body? Yeah, because they were asking, that's the thing, they didn't say. Because, um... Was it, like, the dishwasher? Who was left in the building? Well, I mean, they they were saying that it was Cromwell, but no one knew that it was him. They just said there was a body there. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm then lost. there was the stoner guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's like, no, man, Batman had a guy on the roof. <laughs> yeah. Batman uh, swoops in and saves him. Poor Pete. Yeah, and then Pete I'm just sorry. has no bar anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry, Pete. Well, uh, I mean, he's probably getting, you know, pretty good pretty good money from Thorne, I guess. I, I would hope so. Maybe he's going to open a nicer restaurant. You know what? Maybe maybe Pete's going to be okay. I think maybe he's going to move, like, downtown a little bit. Let's More in, gentrified I neighborhood. Think in future episodes, we should look. He's probably just going go to go to Metropolis. You know, that's true. There's a lot safer people there. Yeah, until Metallo smashes through his place and destroys his pizza ovens. But until then, he's got a good life coming. So, good old Pete. Oh, Pete. Sorry, Pete. Oh, yeah, so then uh, Batman rescues Cromwell mm-hmm. and does some pretty impressive running and acrobatics. Carrying, holding how how heavy guy. do you think Cromwell is? Like, uh, what will be your guess? I'm going to say he's like 6'2". Yeah. That's a good height for a, for a mob yeah, boss. Yeah, he's probably... I'm going to say like 160. Oh God, no! He's gonna be more than that. I mean, he looked pretty skinny. He's I, old. He's old, but I mean, he's 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 a beefy guy. I mean, I'm I'm like I guess one, he did. I'm like one sixty. So I guess he did throw. Yeah, throw around Thorn. Yeah, you know, he he's probably uh, oh, like one ninety. Yeah, like one ninety two hundred. But still, so uh, Batman leaping over rooftops, carrying a two hundred pound man on his shoulder. I thought his most impressive move is when he leaps off the building, lands on the flagpole bounces flips mm-hmm. in midair and then lands and keeps going that is well depending on where the weight shit. is the flip would probably be easier oh he that's has true a, he actually has a yeah he, yeah he, that's true he's gonna have uh some inertia going for him some mm-hmm. momentum wait momentum not inertia yeah. yeah okay you know i'll give you that yeah but still kudos to batman you know we always think he's just a bruiser no he, he's lithe man he can move so he he goes running off police are on the scene now everyone knows that cromwell's still alive and Batman takes him to the Sunrise Foundation. Yes. Uh, and now we enter the Christmas Carol part of the episode. Right? Yeah, that that was one of the, the bits of trivia was that this is like kind of a little bit of a Christmas Carol and also it's a wonderful life. Yeah, Ghost of Mob Boss Past. With Batman as the, the angel escorting he is him an angel. through. He is. Those, those eyes. Mm. That, that voice. Mm. Conroy. Just keep talking. Um, mm. So he walks into... Um, it's a, it's a hospital, kind yeah. of a rundown It's hospital. a rehab clinic. Yeah. yeah. So a rehab clinic. And he goes into this one room and he sees his son who is in critical condition. A little crummy. In critical condition. Crom not so well. Yes. Yeah. You nailed it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and his wife, ex-wife, he's like, why didn't you call me? He's like, well, you're kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, think about it. Yeah. Uh, and you learn that Cromwell Jr. got addicted to, uh, the pills that Cromwell Sr. Mm-hmm. was manufacturing. He had a, a very bad addiction to the drugs. Yeah. Cause Papa Crom's like, Hey, like I'm going to get whoever got him hooked. And Connie's like, it was you look in the mirror. He learned it from watching you. I was about to say we have our no, we have our next PSA from our forties or not forties from our nineties. Where did you get that cigarette? I learned it from you, Dad. Very much so. This is another one of a great PSA episode with a lot more. It is heavy yeah. uh, reactions from it. It, it. At least you know. At least it's got some good drama to it, mm-hmm. um, and fewer crocodiles than our other PSA episode. So then, from there, Cromwell says that okay i'll can or bruce or batman this whole time has been trying to get him to talk and kind of rat out other mob bosses yeah to turn and at this point he's like okay i've seen the error of my ways let's go to my office Mm -hmm. i'll give you the files they get to cromwell's office he gives him phony files what does he call them like pat it not pat it dummy files dummy files he kind of turns around and all this has just been for nothing pulls a gun out on bruce or on batman and very conveniently, at the same time, Thorne and his group of lackeys at the bottom is at the base of the building. Yeah, they see them up there. Yeah, and they throw in tear gas, completely incapacitating Cromwell. Yeah. Bruce has his mask. Commercial break. Batman's in peril from tear gas. We come back. He's uh, got a gas mask. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, we come back to the flashback, right? Or he fights uh, first. Oh, yeah. I think they. we come back. Bruce pulls out a gas mask. Batman pulls out a gas mask. Throws, like, a desk through the window or something like that to, like, vent out oh, the space. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cromwell then runs out, and Thorne follows him. And he runs out onto the tracks, the same Right, same the same before. train tracks, yeah. Now, Cameron, if your biggest fear was trains, where would you put your office? Would you put it uh, right next to the very train tracks and really killed you as a child? I mean, if we're going on Gotham knowledge, Bruce's biggest fear was bats, and he built his his lair in a bat cave. You know, I, I do agree with you. He but could have been train man. Yeah, I was like, Cromwell did not become train man. Missed oh, opportunity. Man. He could have been the terrifying train. Oh my god. Yes, the, 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 the runaway train of crime. Oh, there's so many options here. This might be as good as the Condiment King. This is this is an alternate universe we're creating right now. Yeah, Train, train Man. Train Man. Oh. It's got to be a better name than Train Man. What's the what's the alliteration we can get for this? Tommy Two Trains. Ooh, ooh, that's really good. He just carries Tommy guns around wherever yeah. he goes. Captain Choo Choo. No, that's bad. <laughs> so he's on the train track, <laughs> and we have a kind of clear flashback, mm-hmm. an extended flashback from yeah. before. You learn, do you learn that it's his brother yet? Um, I don't think so. I, think I don't think so. Yeah, we, I, I realized now we, we did skip over uh, right before. Crom- over a pretty big, a pretty big part. Yeah, because well, it's it's small moment, but it's big later. When uh, right before Cromwell's going to the meetup, Batman stops in at a church and is talking to a father there. And he's like, you got to go save Cromwell. And then we still. Oh, the one man I wish I didn't have to save. Right, yeah. Oh, I got to go save him again. And yeah, we don't establish then that it's his brother. But I think here. We finally do that. We realize that not that they're related, but the kid in the flashback is the priest. Yeah. I think you make that connection. Yeah, exactly. So it, yeah. Extended sequence. Cromwell gets his foot unstuck, goes in for the other train. Yeah. You kid, see Michael. Yeah. You see the second train. Michael jumps in to save him. Uh, and then the flashback ends again. Yeah. Well, he, he, he grabs Cromwell, young Cromwell, little mm-hmm. Cromie, throws him out of the way of the train. And then we don't see what happens to Michael. We assume he's dead. Yeah, I assumed he died. I got. I was. I had a note too. It's like, why do they show that? If it, if they make it seem like he he dies, mm-hmm. and then we come out of the flashback, and Father Michael is now there, old, alive, and we learn. We learn Sans leg mm-hmm. that he he lost his leg, which that's a way to like play off that something bad happened. If you actually think about that, that would have been an incredibly horrific moment. Oh, it would have com- like completely separated his leg. Yeah, like it would have crushed and shredded his leg under the train if you were witness to that that would be more traumatic than almost getting hit by the train seeing someone lose a leg to a train so what we've really liked here for train man train man yeah train man who i think that have a lifelong rivalry with the hopper or something like that like some guy with one leg some sort of one leg related villain i mean my favorite will always be the iron kneecap oh my god the iron kneecap the flamingo 
Hmm? Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's the villain. Mm-hmm. No, that's the counterpart. We don't yeah. know if it's a hero or a villain. Why are we not writers for Batman? We sh- we could. We've be. got this. Yeah, what we've pitched is better than the Underdwellers. So yeah, start it out there and forgotten and forget. <laughs> and it's all better than Gotham. We can get at least three seasons out of this. Yeah, the characters we've just created would fit perfectly in the Gotham universe. So we yeah. should, we should get on that. Yeah. So at the very end of the episode, he sees the priest. You learn that they're brothers. Mm-hmm. Cromwell kind of asks for forgiveness finally, and then he kind of knocks on his leg. Yeah. And it's wind of wood. So you know, knock on wood. Ugh. And then at the very end of that, uh, you see that for the first time ever, Batman has won. He. He yeah. healed, not healed, he convinced a villain to stop their villainous ways. He finally cured one of his villains. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess to tell people, Cromwell went to Gordon. He's like, I have something to tell you. Because like Thorne's going to shoot him. Batman swoops in, knocks out Thorne. Yeah. So Thorne gets arrested. Cromwell's going to turn rat informant against everyone else mm-hmm. to go learn the error of his ways. Yeah, you're right. Batman, Batman wins. He finally won. After he, the he tragic one. loss of last week, yeah. he wins. After losing his parents and his best friend and the love of his life, mm-hmm. as we'll find out later. Uh, um, his his other best friend goes to college. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. His ward mm-hmm. goes off to college. But you know what? He saves this random gangster. He so saved. Yeah. He, he did it. It just takes one. We, we made fun of this episode a lot. Overall, though, I actually think it's a pretty solid episode. Like, you look at this one versus the one we're going to do next, which is all about the Penguin, right? And this yeah. is... I mean, you can kind of say it's all about the Penguin. It's, yeah, the it's, all, about, it's, it's all about Archie. The Penguin's in it, yeah. This is definitely the strongest of the episodes. Like, this is actually mm-hmm. a really strong episode. Like, you know, we've said before, this is one of the adult episodes. It has more adult themes to it. It has some, like, actual real emotional stakes, some real narrative. It has real danger, real peril, like, real mm-hmm. consequences. Like, his son's out on drugs. Like, this is some pretty heavy shit. His brother should have died from a train. Should have died from a train accident. Yeah, had his leg obliterated. Instead, he became the Flamingo. Exactly. Greatest villain ever. With Tommy Two Trains. With Tommy Two Trains and the Flamingo. It's a hell of a double act right there. They could hold like a circus train thing going on. Oh, it's going to be great. No, their, their, their lair is inside a circus tent. Okay. Well, there's plenty of abandoned circus tents all around Gotham. Yeah. So but but they might it, have to fight with the Joker for that space. Well, I feel like Joker's like done with circus tents are like low game for him. That's true. He he goes for the amusement park. That's true. He wants amusement. He needs he needs a roller coaster with a broken track. Yeah. to really have a good hideout. Man, we gotta write this. It's good shit. But what I was thinking about is we. This is kind of one of like those kind of forgotten episodes. Mm-hmm. And do you think this show, having done such great versions of the supervillains and made the supervillains so memorable, obviously the the Joker in particular, do you think that this show is part of the reason why more grounded, like real world criminals have kind of seeped out of other forms of Batman media. Basically, what I'm getting at is we get him fighting crime bosses in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, but in everything else. So like all the subsequent animated series, all of the movies, the animated movies, and pretty much all the feature movies that have come after this, very little elements of the mafia or the crime lords. Mm-hmm. It's just because the the supervillains are the stakes are bigger, they're more interesting. Like, is it is it hard to go? Do you think, you know, especially with the the feature films, whenever you have a supervillain trying to like you know destroy Gotham, is it hard then to come down off that and have it be more street level crime? This because I found this like a really compelling episode. I liked that it was real people, real criminals. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of that anymore. I'm not, I'm not sure. I where think I'm going with it, it definitely think? is. Uh, I mean, for the for the movie standpoint, obviously money is a big issue where like it sells better with bigger bigger villain names i mean even in dark knight like you said we we got the falcone family yeah we got the maronis you know i think that was kind of where batman started back in the day right i mean the supervillains became a huge part of it but he started out just a street level guy fighting crime and it's almost like as a character now he's gotten too big for that well i think also i brought this up in a couple episodes uh it's more interesting when you see i mean i think it kind of goes back to the idea that batman's villains are other versions of what he could have become uh when you have pre-established mob bosses that were their where you know their motivation is i stole a piece of candy now i'm gonna rule the city yeah um now i get that and i i mean you can kind of relate that there's all there's that underlying theme for a lot of these episodes of fatherhood yeah we true. saw that with um when joker plays father to oh, be a clown yeah and you have Never this fear. one yeah, yeah this one. Uh, you have this one where again yeah uh cromwell is i mean he's a, a a rich father, similar to Thomas Wayne, uh, and just a very neglected son. And you see that in 
in the shot of his house at the very beginning over the fireplace, you see the family shot. Oh, the family portrait, yeah. In very similar fashion to you see the the Wayne portrait. I feel like there you, you see the, the the duality of the villains. They all relate to Batman in some way, which just contradicted my point from the beginning. No, it's <laughs> I've I've honestly lost track of what I was asking or where we've gone with this. But I don't know. I, I guess what I was getting at is I I miss kind of the gangster level crime mm-hmm. street level crime so i'm glad we still have these episodes because we we do get a lot of that and they're they're good ones when we get the street level stuff i have like a few little bits of trivia for the episode okay um what did i have here oh that uh the brothers like that dynamic is based off of the 1938 movie angels with dirty faces okay which i don't think it's quite as famous as the spoof of angels with dirty faces from home alone do you remember that so when he's watching the movie he shouldn't be watching, it's called Angels with Filthy Souls. Oh. And it's the, the stinking animal thing. That's, that is a spoof of Angel. Wait, what is it? Oh, Angels with Dirty Faces, which this is like structured around. Okay, that's funny. Yeah, I got excited about that because, yeah, the, I love those scenes in the Home Alone movies. Uh, okay, yeah, the other note was about how crime bosses kind of diminish in subsequent Batman stories. But I don't know. Any other thoughts on, on this episode? Not really. I think it was a great follow-up of... Two Face, yeah, uh, especially because this could very much be like a week after Two Face, because I think Thorn encroaching on Cromwell's space is due to the absence of Dent. Like Dent has been on his ass for yeah at yeah, least you, three you months. Tie them together, like yeah, that, at least yeah. I mean at least nine months after the Two Face change, where he hasn't had the ability to grow his mafia size, and now with him gone, you see that push for power. And then again, it's hard to know what how much the characters knew. But uh, kind of I like to think that Thorne had this power play where he knew Cromwell had this fear of trains. He had this traumatic incident. He has these anxiety attacks. And that almost weakened him. Like he found his weakness. He found the weakness in the sun. He may have found the weakness in his mental stability. Could be. And that's how he was able to take over so quickly. Because obviously Thorne, I mean not Thorne, Cromwell is the mob boss. Like he's the kingpin of Gotham. And you yeah. see him kind of just get taken down like nothing. Well, and, you know, what we realized, too, is that it would have been so much easier for Thorne instead of blowing up poor Pete's place if he just set off a train whistle in the restaurant. Probably would have just given the guy a heart attack and done is done. But, but I mean, yeah, it's all about kind of these power plays. and But, it, no, it's 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 a good episode. I like it. I liked it a lot. I think it was the kind of tone that they nailed with Two-Face, that they carried it through. Then we get, yeah, I've got Batman in my basement, which tonally kind of goes in a, a whole different place so if you think about what we've seen in the past couple episodes we had a decent joker episode the best joker episode so far uh then the amazing two-face arc and then this one that's five four four great episodes and what's next is heart of ice oh yeah and he true. got this very this little blemish yeah on on the good streak it's you know i i referenced home alone in the last for the last episode this whole thing is basically just home alone towards the end well the way that i like to see this, see this episode especially with the kids when i first started watching it i was thinking it was archie like archie oh, meets batman yeah. and then it reminded me of uh the 70s new scooby-doo adventures oh that's where yeah. batman and robin the 60s batman and robin would come and join scooby on an adventure i love those episodes and then i'm like oh no God. what it is is this is a pup named scooby-doo meets batman oh my god sans red herring yes best character ever oh my god So that's for people who haven't seen this episode imagine batman placed inside with no context batman just dropped inside a pup named scooby-doo universe it's special but i i have a weird little kind of soft spot for it i remember briefly talking about this on the very first episode about how this series is so great because it does perfectly uh encompass the best moments of the three previous generations you have the campiness of the 60s, you have the adventures of the 70s, True. you yeah. have the dark, dark grunge of the 80s. This is an episode that is solely in the 60s. This could have been a great plot for the Adam West Batman. It probably is. I've never seen all the original This show. might have been it, an it original been script. One. Yeah. It, they just it, didn't ever just film it. Dug it up Because and Penguin it. was a big villain in... He was, yeah. Uh, played by Burgess Meredith. You know, I, I've seen the Batman 60s movie more than I've seen the show. Same. But... I I love Burgess Meredith as mm-hmm. the Penguin. He's fucking fantastic. Yeah, his laugh is just like the greatest thing ever. But clearly, this version of the Penguin influenced by Danny DeVito's performance, and which is also great. Returns. It is great. I I think Returns is the best of the '90s movies. Okay, I'm still gonna say that Forever is my favorite. No, that's fair. I, I it's Drew. It's Jim Carrey. Yeah, Forever is, is not Drew Carrey. Jim Carrey also would have been great. Forever is very entertaining. 
but I, I, I do love Returns. But um, I guess they actually didn't know what to do with Penguin in this show originally because they, they wanted him to that be like... makes sense with this It episode. makes sense, well, because they wanted him to be like the witty, intelligent villain. They kind of wanted mm-hmm. him to be a counterpoint to everyone around him. But, they but weren't that's quite, what Riddler is supposed to be. Yeah, so they weren't quite sure to do with him. And I guess one of the ideas they had was that he was going to be um, like a Norman Bates character mm-hmm. who was always under the oppression of his like overbearing mom who he never actually saw. Um, I don't think there was any sort of like schizophrenic drag elements to it. But not only what they're going to do with it, they decided to just change it to resemble Dan DeVito. And Bruce Tim actually, I guess, went to the set and drew Dan DeVito in costume to get the look. It's because he has kind of the look of draw me like your French girls. Oh my God. Now, I'm sure Danny was just splayed out across the, oh, the sure. bed on the set. That's yeah. the only way I envisioned Danny DeVito. That's true, actually. Yeah. Well, either that or chasing down Wayward Ham and what's the other show he's on? It's always sunny. always sunny. Yeah. I also just see him as Philip TDs from Hercules. Oh, that's, oh, that's, of course he would. Um, He's great in that. He looks just like him too. But, um, so this episode, this episode, right. Um, uh, I took no notes on this episode. Okay, good. So I, I'm just going to free I, ball this one. All right. I, I got, I got some notes here. Uh, it starts out with a couple of window washers, uh, mm-hmm. stealing a Fabergé egg. Quick Cameron, how do you spell Fabergé? That is a question for someone else. <laughs> I had to look it up because I didn't know. I can barely spell my name. Okay. Let's not let's let's not focus Wait, the on long my... version, the short version. I got Cam Dexter. That's easy. Okay, good. I'd be really really bothered if you couldn't spell Cam. I forget that E sometimes, man. You know, it's it's just it's sneaky that E. Just Cameron. Yeah, it's two syllables. It's easy. It's super easy. Uh, okay, so it's a Fabergé egg. We don't know how to spell Fabergé. Batman shows up. Uh, he gets attacked by a vulture. He has a really hard time fighting off that vulture. Now, it's a big bird. I'll give well, him credit. You, it's got look, talons. It ripped through his costume. It ripped through his costume, Which yeah. is something that most villains haven't been able to do yet. That's true. No goon has ripped through the suit. What I do love is how he dispatches, at least temporarily, with the vulture is that he, like... Flips him over the flips edge. Flips him, and he throws him off the side of a building. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking bird. Yeah. Like, what... What's that supposed to do? He's going to enjoy the, or I mean, he has to take the time, at least how I understand bird physics. They have to take the time to like get the wind back under their wings. So they dive. They have to keep diving, you know, like planes. Yeah. They have to like get that lift back. Oh, okay. I just assumed that he, So it he, takes a couple seconds. So while in those like six seconds it takes for the bird to get back up to, to him. He can take out the two goons, which have already escaped. I just assumed that the bird bounced off of an awning and then collided with a stone wall and killed the green pig. But that's that's just me. So dispatches with the bird, and then Batman finds like bird seed at the crime. And then we jump. There's only one place that has bird seed. Yeah. (laughs) The penguin's lair. If you come across like a batch of like highly traceable chemicals, there are like ten different places to go to, but there's only one place with bird seed. Only one factory that makes all the bird seed forgot them and it all goes to the penguin it all goes to the penguin yeah that's that's his criminal empire is all based around birdseed yeah and so we're pretty lucrative business it is actually yeah well you you know when you monopolize it he's got a good thing going yeah just a bunch of old people want to feed their birds yeah keeps them going almost as much money as he gets from the Fabergé egg Mm -hmm. almost much but uh which honestly at the end of the episode i really wish was gonna like hatch into some other bird to a Fabergé bird yes (laughs) Like like something happens and they drop it and it opens up and it's just like it's just well, like a, a a jewel filled penguin. Yeah, well it's it's a pink Fabergé egg, so it would be a flamingo that would pop out of it. Yes, yeah, it would be the son of flamingo and two tra- and uh, Tommy two trains <laughs> flamingo junior. Yes, popping out of the egg, and but they so we after after Batman throws the bird off the building, we go mm-hmm. to the suburbs where we meet Sherman, who I. Is he a reference to Peabody and Sherman from? That's Bowl? what I was always thinking. He, I don't he, think he so. He looks like Sherman. He look. He's got the the red hair and the glasses. He looks like Sherman from, from Mr. Peabody yeah, Mr. and Peabody, Sherman. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna assume it's meant to be Sherman, but it's. Uh, I still it, think it's just Archie. It, yeah, there's definitely an Archie influence there. Mm-hmm. So it's him and his friend Roberta, mm-hmm. who uh, Sherman wants to be a detective. He's got a little like detective kit. He's got yeah. some neighborhood bullies who are are kind of giving him shit. Through his binoculars, sees this the vulture. It's a really rare bird. It's like a South American vulture. South American vulture, not something South, that's supposed to be in Gotham. South American giant vulture. It's not supposed to be in Gotham. So they go chasing after it. They get to the birdseed warehouse, birdseed yeah. factory, where the penguin emerges from underground. In all his glory. In all of his glory. Um, and bad Shakespearean talk. Yeah, I mean, he's to, like to the credit. The writers did make him distinctly educated like he comes off as far more polished and educated than 
a lot of the other villains. So although he has the look of Danny DeVito, he does not have that character's personality. Like right. it's, it's very much a classic Penguin personality with that look. Um, Batman arrives, buries Penguin and the other villains under Birdseed. Grabs the egg. Grabs the egg. The uh, the kids get stuck on a conveyor belt, about ready to get smashed. PSA time. PSA time. Don't climb on conveyor belts. Don't go to the penguin's lair. Don't go to the penguin's lair. That's just stupid. Uh, um, so he like shoes them out. Shoot, yeah. So he gets them out of there, and then uh, the penguin launches a gas bomb at Knock him. Knockout gas. Knockout gas. No, I'm buying that one. That's a, like a decent way to take out Batman. I guess he's not expecting. Gas bomb. I mean, it worked when Joker did it. It worked for him. That's true. It probably gets passed around the underworld. Like, hey, he doesn't know how to handle gas. Give like 30 years and just be immune to it. Yeah. Just get hit with it so many times. But until then, he gets knocked out by it. He uh, stumbles out to the Batmobile, calls it with his remote. He falls into the car and then... uh, Oh, also Batmobile, not covered by a dumpster this time. I was kind of upset. Yeah, I was a little upset about that too, actually. It's just like behind a wooden box. Yeah, so Batmobile comes up, they jump in, uh, the kids see the Batman's unconscious, push him into the car, the Penguin and his villains jump on, try and smack the car, the kids mm-hmm. drive the car very poorly. Actually, before that, I really like the the moment where you see all of the gadgets on the car, Oh, he's just, like yeah. flipping all the switches, he's flipping the switches like, and you see rockets like, and missiles yeah, you see the, and yeah. the tire shredders. Uh, it was cool to see. Flamethrower, I think. Yeah, I think at the bottom. Uh, and then he has his own knockout gas. He does, yeah. Which is very important. Yeah. Um, He's immune to that gas. Well, obviously. And, and then, then, yeah, they drive around, knock off all the goons from the car. Yeah, I mean, it gets pretty banged up because these are kids. They don't know how to drive. So they figure out how to drive because they then drive it to the suburbs mm-hmm. and park it in an alleyway. Well, I mean, if they, if they could walk, I mean, if they ran from the suburbs well, to they're on their bikes. Lair, they left their bikes behind, didn't they? Oh, that's a shame. Oh, poor kids lost their bikes. I, if only there was some billionaire that could replace yeah. them. Just shows up and, you know, they're just clearly like Wayne brand bikes. Yeah. It's just like Batman's just like white out over the name Wayne. It's, very, it's Batman. <laughs> it just scratched out. Or no, it Batman says brand. Detec- it says detective. Detective brand. brand. Just like detective comics. It's detective bikes. Detective brand bikes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so now Batman's incapacitated, unconscious in this kid's basement mm-hmm. because mom's gone so they can do whatever they want. Um, asking for capsules they oh, keep hearing capture yeah, capture yeah it's like no batman you're not captured you're not captured you're here. we're not keeping you <laughs> you're here in our basement which was hardly a basement it was like a garage like a garage yeah um, there's a there's a very distinct difference people <laughs> in the midwest you understand <laughs> yeah i had a basement once it's nice i'm not gonna go into more detail on it than that i'm just gonna let that hang ambiguously and we'll learn about little, it in future episodes. a little a little creepily too what um what's with chris in his basement so while they're taking care of Batman, you see the the bullies walking outside. Yeah, and, and just very poorly covered. You see the Batmobile yeah, just like with a couple boxes they on throw top of a it. Brick at a pile of boxes, and that reveals the Batmobile, mm-hmm. which the doors open on it, like the sliding oh, yeah, roof it's unlocked. Is yeah, unlocked. Yeah, I guess they didn't know how to close it. Maybe that's why. I guess I assume the yeah. Guess, they just yeah. Didn't so know the kids get the into it. Was. Sherman comes out and it's like, "Hey, you kids, get out of my Batmobile." Get off my lawn, you kids. Brings them. What happens? Uh, they're like, it's it's the actual Batmobile. And they're like, no way. And so they bring the bullies down. Or no, they, the bullies get in the car and they flip a switch. Where, oh, they like, pull the a visor sunglass. down. Yeah. They, they see the capsule. They go back down to the they, basement. Oh. Yeah. Which, which we see that uh, Sherman has set this place up like his own little detective space. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a Joker poster on the wall. Kids probably shouldn't have Joker posters on their walls. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Uh, also, he references the Batcave by name. He's like, oh, it's yeah. not quite as cool as the Batcave. Right. Wait a minute. Did well, the- he is a detective. We got to give him that. Is this like a young Tim Drake? Like, I mean, because how do people of the Gotham City refer to Batman's Batcave as the Batcave? Do they know he has a cave? I mean, I'm sure they he, they know he has some kind of lair. I mean, when they you- just refer to it as the Batcave. I mean, if you know that he has a Batcave, wouldn't you then be like, oh, let's dig up some old maps of gotham and see where there's a big cave somewhere let's not get too realistic on this that's, yeah that's pointless uh especially for this episode especially this episode <clears throat> jesus let's see uh the bird comes back the bird attacks they give batman the capsule penguin arrives cuts the phone line begin home alone sequence yes uh, batman is still not waking up still not waking up uh mm-hmm. the kids just whip off his utility belt because that thing has no security measures on it anymore mm-hmm. Right. They've all been used at this point. There was like one time he's like, oh, I guess the security measure's broke, and he just never bothered to fix it Mm because now everyone just pulls that thing off. 
So they grab well, then it like shock one person. It had the pink had the pink. Yeah. Um, so he's just out food. of things. He just he hasn't had time to refill it because That's it gets true. taken off every time. Yeah. It's just he's burned through that. So so the kids set up a whole bunch of traps around the house. They put trip wire at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. So one of the guys falls on the stairs and then like falls on the stairs. We assume that's like meant to like hurt him, but then he somehow gets wrapped up in the tripwire, covers his entire body, and he hops his way back up the stairs. Uh, they blow up the staircase, like mm-hmm. the, going to the upstairs staircase. They just set off explosives. Yeah, yeah, like throw out some some tear gas, um, and then, then Cobblepot is just upstairs, just breaking everything. Yeah, he's just like, oh, how bourgeois, and he's breaking things. Uh, the kids tie him up in bolas, mm-hmm. uh, but luckily he's got a knife in the handle. That umbrella has a shitload of knives in it because there's yeah. one that pops up at the top to cut the rope. Uh, there's another one. It's like a rotating blade that pops out to try and cut Batman's neck. Mm-hmm. And then when Batman breaks the umbrella, he pulls the handle out and there's a third knife in that thing. Well, I think this is before he has like a bunch of different umbrellas to do a bunch of different things. Yeah. And this is like he put all of his money into the one. This is his Swiss army umbrella that Batman just breaks. Yeah. And he's like, you know, Batman's going to break a lot of these. I just got to make a couple versions. I'll have the this helicopter is, one, the cheap one. I'll have the gun one. I already used my smoke gas one. That's true. This that, is my that's knife. A one, one. That's a one and done. So that's, it's gone. Yeah. So got, this is just the knife umbrella It's a multi-purpose knife umbrella. And then they've given Batman the antidote. He regains consciousness. Uh, just in the nick of time. Just in the nick as of time. always. And what ties them up, punches them, knocks them out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, a bunch I, of unimportant my, things. My and then we end with the great moment of the mom. So the mom left. Mom comes back, freaked out that the whole house is destroyed. Yeah. Comes downstairs and he's like, Mom, I'd like you to meet Batman. And Batman's like, ma'am. And then the the greatest, I don't think we're ever going to top this line to end the episode. He's like, he looks at Batman. He's like, are you single? And it ends. So, you know, you see... Usually we see, we mainly see Bruce's personality shifting into Batman. This is the first time we see Playboy Batman. Yeah. Yeah, we see Playboy Batman. Yeah. Oh, I did. I forgot to mention this. It must have been the Two-Face episode. We actually see Bruce, like, hitting on a girl at the party, I think. One of the ones I watched recently, there's actually, we see... Yeah, yeah. I think it's that one. He's not hitting on a girl. It's uh, the fiancé. No, no, he's actually, like... Whatever. Oh yeah, we, we do. Oh, it, no, I know exactly. Yeah, what there was a moment about. of Playboy it's, Batman. Yeah, it's when Harvey's leaving the party. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, cock blocking his best friend. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Oh, hang on. We did skip the part where Batman has a sword fight with the Penguin, but Batman's using a screwdriver. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, rather than just disarming him, he's got to show off his fencing skills. That's true. He's got some pretty. He mad, spent a lot of time training fencing. on this. Yeah, mad fencing skills. He never gets a chance to show them off. <laughs> I, I feel like that. That's. Kind of the episode, we, we got a little bit of uh, I got a little penguin trivia here. Uh, any other comments on the I just want to say, poor penguin for this being his first appearance. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned this before that like there are a couple villains that have already that we don't really get a backstory for, they're just kind of pre selected. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like him and Joker, mm-hmm. um, maybe Riddler. I don't remember if we hey, get Riddler. an enigma. No, we do. The, the Riddler's origin is explained, okay. Um, and I think maybe Catwoman too. I don't know. We'll find out uh, in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to her. Two or three weeks, I think. Is, yeah, I think it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. So, but um, yeah, I mean, Penguin. It's funny because Cobblepot, good old Cobblepot. He's one of Batman's most famous villains, mm-hmm. and some people consider him one of his greatest. Some people also consider him one of his shittiest. But no matter what, he's definitely one of the most iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as I always do, first appearance in Detective Comics number fifty eight. In December 41, way back in the day. And for the most part, he's actually more or less remained intact. Mm-hmm. So he always was a, like a mobster, a thief, a, a gentleman of crime. You know, he uses, uh, you know, trick umbrellas. And his inspiration was cool cigarettes back in the day had a top hat monocle wearing penguin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to post this photo. I think, yeah, I think point. we're going to have to post a photo because that's amazing. That was the inspiration for the penguin as a character. His origin is more or less the same. Uh, my favorite version though was, uh, like his original origin. He was like a little kid who was bullied at school cause he was short and had like a bird like nose. And he always had to carry around an umbrella mm-hmm. because his neurotic mom was worried about him because the penguin's dad had died from pneumonia after getting wet right. in the rain. Yeah. And the best part though, is that the mother owned a whole bunch of pet birds and there were 
Oswald's only friend, and he turns to crime after she dies because the birds are repossessed. Yeah. So he turns to crime to get them back. Makes sense. I mean, they're his only friends. Yeah. That's so many. That's, that is the exactly sort of just crazy origin stories they used to come up with, like, in the 40s and the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, as you talked about before, kind of like pre-Stan Lee, who, like, grounded things and made them much more realistic. Yeah, just, he was carried around an umbrella. That's his origin. But his, I'd say his most common origin was that he was kind of born into the social elite, but outcast from it. Right. So we, that was, you know, part of Batman Returns. I think it's kind of maybe implied a little bit just because of his, his gentlemanly his, ways. His demeanor and the way he talks. this, it's that way in um, The Batman, which followed the show. It's that way in Arkham in the games mm-hmm. so that's kind of his most common thing what's kind of fun about him though is that unlike the other villains he's completely sane right like he's never treated like a crazy person he's you know completely has all of his faculties except you know that his, his friends are birds his, his friends are birds yeah but i mean you know what we have pets you know mm-hmm. i talked to my dog he talks to his birds sure. but i mean but he doesn't have he's not crazy like everyone else all the other batman films are straight up fucking nuts mm-hmm. he's less so he's pretty much just totally in his faculties. So he doesn't have, I think, as distinctive of comic arcs. Uh, like yeah. With Two-Face, you know, we, we had specific Long Halloween. specific books to go read. Like, mm-hmm. I looked up for him. Um, he is a player in No Man's Land, which I think, actually, that's just a good series read if you just want to get snippets of all of the villains because a lot of them are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read Batman Earth 1? No. They're kind of more one-offs. So they started with Superman Earth 1. I've, I've read that one. Yeah, which is like the better version of Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Batman Earth One is again kind of a, a much more grounded, realistic, and he's the mayor. And that it's a really good story, actually. Okay, I remember. Yeah, I remember parts of Mayor Penguin as yeah, as, as yeah. mayor. Um, yeah, as so we talked about earlier in the '60s TV show, played by Danny DeVito in Batman 92. Returns, which is great. We'll see as we get a little farther into this that by the time we got to the new Batman adventures, they basically did away with his kind of grotesque features and they made him much more of the traditional, just like mm-hmm. top hat suit businessman. He runs the Iceberg Lounge. Which is interesting because if you jump to the Batman, it comes back. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not even the same. It's an over exaggeration where his nose is like half the size of his body. But I mean, in that, in that iteration, they kind of changed the look of all of them to be a little more cartoony. Yeah, they're all a little bit, yeah, a little bit weirder. But that wasn't done by Bruce Timm, so we're not going to that. Go was, into no, that. that wasn't. Uh, but voiced by Tom Kenny. Yeah, which is great. So I do want to talk about one thing real quick. You know, you, you said that you, you love Forever. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I've talked about this yet, that the, the reason I love Returns the most, I think is the only movie that very much deals with the idea that you love, that all of the villains are reflections of Batman. Mm-hmm. So in... Batman Returns, the Penguin is, you know, like Bruce, was born into wealth. But, you know, what would happen if Bruce had parents that didn't love him and support him, right? This character becomes this this monster, this this criminal whose whole right. thing is he's also driven by his parents, but from the opposite. You know, he wants to take revenge on everyone for the life he had. In that movie, you get um, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek, who's, again, it, it, imagine if Bruce Wayne weren't a philanthropist trying to help the city, but was corrupt and trying to you know, sabotage the city. And then, of course, Catwoman is also struggling with the duality. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that one's really great, because I think it much it really does dive into the idea that his villains are reflections of him. I think I don't really think any of the movies have done that quite as much. Yeah, not any that I can think of. Even in the animated movies, I feel like that's kind of the best interpretation of... Um... Yeah, like you said, connecting the villains to Batman. Yeah, because obviously uh, Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. one-off, that's very much about you know treating the asylum as a physical manifestation of Batman's brain and right. of his, his psyche and all the characters reflecting in that. But yeah, and I think in other media, none of them have really explored that idea. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I realized that a few years ago rewatching Batman Returns, that's when it became my favorite because I think it, it's the only one that deals with that, which is kind of cool. Okay, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I just like God the damn it. of Batman Forever. It is very shiny and pretty. And I actually like the score of Batman Forever, too. Mm-hmm. It also, that was the first live-action Batman movie I saw. Same. Yeah, I, I remember... Jim Carrey is amazing. He's great. I, I remember being old enough to be excited about that movie coming out, like buying magazines, like had like pictures of all the characters and the toys and like the gadgets and stuff. And Yeah. I got so fucking excited for that movie. I was three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Little baby. Yep. Little job. Uh... Yeah, anything anything else to talk about? Uh well we wanted to we're gonna try and start the uh Oh yeah, yeah weekly um, media uh the the plug. We'll come up with a better name for it than that. But yeah, kind of uh talk about 
something cool you just got to see something you're reading something you're watching what are you what are you mm-hmm. watching right now or reading um i just watched these two crazy crazy movies i still feel like i'm getting down on the high of the second movie uh for any anime fans out there uh, i watched Redline for the first time and to give you a brief explanation of this movie is if you had speed racer and instead of driving around a mountain he was just driving on a mound of cocaine then that is the movie it is it is crazy which says something it took seven years to hand animate it's all holy crap yeah it's all done frame by frame by hand um it was made i think 2007 so that was right around the turn of like 3d animation becoming mainstream just an absolute I, i can't even begin to explain he has like a four foot pompadour haircut and that's that comes impressive. into huge play when he races and it's it's everyone just please go watch that movie watch it. it's it's insane and then another movie i watched uh so i don't know if i've expressed this on the podcast yet my favorite movie is who framed roger rabbit it's well because it's an amazing movie How it is but what i didn't know is four years after that came out there was another movie called cool world which is kind of like the C-list knockoff that stars Brad Pitt, which is crazy to think about because he went from Cool World to, what is it, Confessions of a Vampire? What's the vampire movie? Uh, Interview with the Vampire. Interview, not Confessions. Interview with the Vampire. And please just, the the premise of this movie is crazy. It's um, tune, or not tunes, doodles, because I can't use the word tunes, Mm -hmm. are trying to seduce real humans into their comic world in order to sleep with them, because if they sleep with them, they become real people as well. So basically someone watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit and was like, I want to have sex with that cartoon and made a script out of it. Yeah. And by that cartoon, I'm referring to Roger Rabbit, not Jessica Rabbit. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's that's what I'm watching. Are you you watching or reading anything right now? Uh, Well, I've been catching up on Futurama, because I love Futurama, but I never actually watched the Comedy Central years. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching that a little bit. But I've also been reading the Batman Beyond comics. Okay. So not the ones that came out when the show was on, but I think around like 2011, they started doing an ongoing series Mm -hmm. that it's definitely still set in the animated universe, Mm -hmm. but that there are elements of the mainstream comics that are in there. So like they refer to like the big quake that happened, which never actually happened in Bruce Timm's time and the costumes, the old costumes are kind of designed off of yeah. the comic costumes. It's pretty good. There's actually a lot there. If you do uh, Batman justice league and Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what all leads into futures end, right? I don't, I don't know. Cause I stopped reading a number of years ago and I decided I want to go back and, and finish it out because I, I like comics to have a definitive end run. And this one does. So, okay. but they're, they're pretty good though. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Batman beyond. It's my favorite. So it's, they're good continuations of those stories. So I'd say go check them out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah. So just as always, we are at, uh, I'm at Cameron Dexter on everything. And I'm at Lordifer. And for the podcast, it's at Tim Talk Pod on Twitter and Facebook and Gmail and Instagram. Instagram. Yep. Yeah. And thank you to Olga DeSatnik for coming in and being our audio engineer. We're recording, as always, down at the podcast booth at the Nerdist School. So check out nerdistschool.com. And I think that's it. Yeah. Next week, uh, we're doing a single episode. We're just doing Heart of Ice. Just Heart of Ice. Yes. Um, Very excited for that. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a special guest. We might. Yeah. Well, you'll find out next week. But I think that's it. So until then, thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys.